Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of January 2018. Occasionally we get little gems of truth thrown at us. And they're so simplistic that we ignore them. We, We are taught and we believe and we're encouraged to believe if not trained, in fact, to believe that the world is just one chaotic place to to be alive in and that special folk have to be trained to take care of us all, all different departments of government agencies and all the, of course, the end thing is outsourcing to private agencies too who can make it cheaper by charging you ten times more. But this is how we're trained to look at life. And... In conversations, I'm sure you've all had the same conversations with many people where you're discussing society in general and they'll say, well, it's just so chaotic. We need governments to take care of all the fallout that we constantly have, the crime and financial depressions which governments cause, of course, by being in league with the bankers. But we're taught really that It's just too complex. It's so complex we can't get involved in even thinking about it. Leave it to the experts. Any day, looking at the trash they call news today, will terrify you with all the little bits of stories from across the world with billions of people on it. It's easy to get a few stories to terrify you for that particular day, and that's what they do. To make you think again, oh, you need all this massive machinery above you to take care of the fallout of the chaos of just living and making it safe for you as they encourage slaughter, basically, in different parts of the world that then migrate to your parts and continue it. Again, the eating machine has come home, as I said, long before it even started. But anyway, this is what we live through. And most folk can't get it because it does seem big and scary, doesn't it? The whole system. But remember... There are different ways to control populations and peoples and societies. We know what they all are. And because the trashy talk shows that you listen to, which you get on television and all the rest of it too today, they give you all the little bits and bites of the ooh-ah stories. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, lazy bearded lady, etc., etc. Little emotive nothing stories. They could occupy you, and amongst all the violence across the world and things like that. But, but really, you get the idea that it's just chaos, and you really need speciality everywhere. And you can understand the special system that runs you, because, as I say, it's just too complex, obviously, because it, to you it terrifies, it's so big and, and chaotic, it, it, it shuts your mind down when you try to contemplate it. But all you have to do, it's not difficult... You do it all in the afternoon. Just look into the techniques of controlling peoples in history. You'll find in the more primitive societies, terror is used to control them. That's why Lenin advocated terror, a reign of terror in the Soviet Union after the Bolsheviks took over. And he said that to to his men, get out into the, the farming areas, round up people, Kulaks and, and, and leaders and so on, and, and hang them and slaughter them in front to make sure everybody sees them getting slaughtered and hung and so on. And, and that'll terrify the rest of them to behave and do what they're told. 
And then that was continued right through to the Stalin era, for sure, and, and probably after that too, but definitely through Stalin. Terrify the public. Easier way to do it is, is just terrify them. A reign of terror. The French Revolution did it too, of course, and, uh, and it goes on and on and on. However, today, as I've mentioned many times before, we have, we're so well studied by professionals. And the whole point of professionals in studying us is always to do with control of us. It's always put across to you again to help manage us better, things like that. And, and we, well, that's nice. We, you know, the way to manage us better. Wait a minute here. Are you free or you're not free? And can you manage yourself to some degree or not? If you're always being managed, technically you're children. But you go into the agencies that monitors all the time. Every government's using psychologists, I've said before, behaviorists, neuroscientists, and your, your tax, a good chunk of your tax money goes to those who can control you in so many ways that you don't even know it. That, that's, these are the most advanced societies where we can afford to tax the peasants and pay these control freaks to find better ways to manipulate us on behalf of their masters. And getting back to the primitive types, too, apart from terror, you also have uh, the very basic, basic tribalism and, and machiness. I remember watching a, a documentary. It was quite good on, I think it was a population in New Guinea and the different islands there. And they, they were cannibalistic, most of them, up until the time that Australia took over, really new, definitely in the early 20th century. But very primitive. And the different tribes, again, live very simplistic, tri- very tribal lifestyles. And they would have raids upon each other every so often to show how, how strong they were and to frighten, maybe. I'm sure it's the same old thing as, as politics, where, where psychopaths can come in and take over countries and use those countries, they, they, they catch on, they know darn well what, what manages the country, they know this. The people are not supposed to know, but the psychopaths know it instinctively, how it's all managed. So they can get in and benefit off their roles as they're helping manage the country, or manage the people. But if you were to take the same psychopaths and put them in a primitive society, they would, the first thing they have to do, and they're awfully good at it, is manipulating other people to do their work for them. And in a primitive society, you need the basic things done for food and all this kind of stuff for your own survival if you're a psychopath. But of course, psychopaths are never happy just to have their own little space and a little bit of power. They want more. Now, there are different categories. That is, that is true of psychopaths. However, the real you know, go-getter psychopath has to go into politics, for instance, in, the, in our societies, or into banking, or become a CEO of companies because CEOs were elevated way back into these superstars where they can come up with ridiculous statements and the whole lot of them just follow suit as though they've just spoken some new religion to the peasants beneath them and, and everyone just follows suit and they pay them, throw, them, throw money at them like you wouldn't believe make them superstars and that's how we ended up getting the bank crashes in 2008 when they're all giving themselves millions of dollars in bonuses at the top of these banks. And it was all managed and planned that way too. 
everybody at the very top knew it was going to happen. They were all in on it, and they didn't lose a thing because they all have the keys to money heaven where the money is supposed to have gone. But back to the primitive societies, the psychopath there, even in a small tribe, once it's in charge of the small tribe, has to be able to manipulate the people. And the easiest way to manipulate them is, is to say that those tribes over there or next to you want your land or your, your, your pigs, your three or four pigs, they want them. And, or they're eyeing up your women or something like that, and you get them all stirred up. And then you, you get them to go off and fight for you. Think but really they're going to fight for themselves, but they're really fighting for you. Because once, once, if they manage to slaughter your enemies, and mind you, if, the, if, 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 you, if the other tribe are winning, the psychopath will always manage to get out of sight and then somehow end up in the winning side behind the scenes. That's how it works. But again, there's even theories out now that the psychopaths are normal. And they are the real winners in society, and we should really root for them. Look, no kidding you. Of course, it's all done by psychopaths themselves, all these studies. But getting back to, to, the, to the primitive tribes, it's easy to get them off, going off and fighting for, for, for you. Then you jump in and say, you know, don't just stop there. You can have half their village now, and but keep going. And then you end up, uh, and then they start looking to you for advice. And so you're, you become the, the head man, the chief. That's how it's done. We have the same thing in businesses with corporations, as I say, and end up with CEOs and so on. And no one questions the fact that CEOs, I've always said that the world's just nothing but cartels, probably one big corporation in a sense. If you really dig down behind, up behind all the subsidiaries and subsidiaries and subsidiaries, just like the, Rock, the Rockefeller Standard Oil system, where they had dozens, when they deregulated dozens of companies, that this sprang out up automatically with different names and different CEOs, and it took them a generation before they started to admit that they're actually still just front companies for Rockefeller Standard Oil. That's how you really do it. And the peasants, of course, are feel safer with that. Well, I thank God they're all, this is, they're all split up by different companies. Well, thank God for that. There's, there's real competition now. That's what you think, yeah? Back to the primitive guys, too, with the one on in New Guinea area. And these guys, they all had a big man. Each tribe had to have a big man. And they go all kinds of lengths to try and get a big man. Because the big man was a symbol of your virility and your power over others. So you end up getting big men. Each tribe had at least big, one big man. And you, you see a death happening of a big man. He just died. Of course, the, the, the tribes thought it must have been black magic or something that put a curse on them from other tribes. But these people were, were genuinely sorrowful. I mean, they're wailing out there and, and they had covered themselves in mud and red ochre and stuff. And, and, but the tears were pouring out of them because that was a big thing you lose the big man of your tribe. It's like your fair game now. Even though there's no way, logically, a big man could defeat his enemies, all his enemies, by himself. You would do it all for him, basically. But that didn't really occur to them at that, that stage. As a symbol, you see, that somehow... It would give you this, this strength if this living totem was still walking around looking down at you. So they talked also to one of the chiefs there, and uh, the chief was talking about since Australians had stopped them just killing each other willy-nilly, and even then there was still killings going on, because they used to do it all the time. It, it was also dangerous for a chief. It wasn't just enemy tribes. Because you dislike society, you always have the up-and-coming group, you see, who want the power, the, the new psychopaths. And this chief was talking about how bad it was, 
how bad it was up until recently before that, that the documentary was done. And he said he was in his outhouse. And he was sitting in his outhouse and he heard the rustling. And, and, and the, the next thing you know, the spears stabbing through the outhouse, which certainly cures you of constipation. And he, he said it was that, but he, he did manage to escape, luckily for him. So you can imagine living as a chief, completely paranoid all the time. You see, the Western civilizations conquered that problem long ago because they brought in money and people with money. And once they had money, they could then train people that, they, no, you don't want to exchange this for that. You want to get money instead. And with money, you can buy everything. And if you get money, and you can tax it back off the people. Rather than just say, give me 20 bags of oats from your fields, just give me so many gold pieces instead. And with that, you could then hire a mercenary army to guard your outhouse. Of course, your outhouse too, you want to get a bigger one, so you get a castle instead. But that's really how it works. And the one thing that's consistent down through time, with occasional bits of truth they put out there, is how simple it all is, really. As Francis Bacon said, and others too, Machiavelli said, never tell the public the truth about anything. There are ways to make the public and get the public to do what you want them to do, and even willing and happy to do what you want them to do if you say it the right way, but never tell them the real reason. And nothing has ever changed. Nothing has changed. Think about it. Nothing has changed. Maybe one thing that's changed is that they, they do give you little bits again. They'll say, okay, now, now after 9-11, 2001, now you're all spied on like never before. But that was intended before 9-11 even happened. They needed something to make it happen. They had, they had so many articles in the 90s in the newspapers about, well, now that there's peace and there doesn't seem to be any war anymore, basically, and yada, yada. What will the military-industrial complex do? Well, they're going to home surveillance and stuff like that. Well, they had it all, mani- all worked out where they were going to go, but they needed a little war to start off. And, and so they, they, it just happened. They, they, they're awfully good guessers, but they wanted and, and even wrote about actually happened, and they got 9-11. So there you go, and then they got all their wars, and then they, they would say, well, nothing's safe anymore, so we've got to spy on you all. To save you, to protect you, we've got to spy on you all to make it safe. And so they tell you a little bits of truth, but only the real, real brainwashed person, conditioned person, would ever believe that. Really. Really. But it's good enough for you. And, and again, even, even with your incredulity threatened and all the rest of it, you go along with it. You still go along with it. And and you, you pretend that, that they're really doing what they say that they're, they're doing. You, it, it does take self-deception, willing self-deception, to be used and abused by authorities in the system. It really does. Or something wrong with you, obviously, but with most people it's just self-deception. I prefer to choose this. Well, they all do it. All my friends are to go along with it, so why shouldn't I? And of course, the authorities will say, well, why aren't you going along with it? They've all accepted these electronic manacles everywhere. What was wrong with you? That's how it's done. But it's easy. It's so easy to, to, to con the public because they want to be conned, I think, in many instances, rather than admit the fact that a bunch of psychopaths and liars 
cheats and frauds rule them. Another thing the elites always know is that you really do have very short attention spans, more so than you used to have. Because the studies prove that too. We're always being tested and studied, as I say. And people used to communicate a lot more verbally to each other face-to-face. People they met in the streets, they go, in Britain they went to the bars, that was where all, everything was discussed in the bars. Every, all changes in politics, local and otherwise. And the news travelled fast, that was the standard way for it to happen. But not now. That was the reason too, by the way, they started putting TVs into the places back in the 70s onwards, I guess. Until you couldn't hear yourself for sports, screaming over televisions. That was intentional, so you stopped talking to each other. But you take it all for granted, think it just happened by itself. Or they really were concerned that you weren't getting enough sports or something. Nothing happens by itself in this system. Everything is thought out, carefully worked out, and managed, because you're, you're being managed. The whole point is for control over the people. And all the little bits you get in the news today... Are, are the fallouts from all previous decisions that have been made by those in charge. It doesn't matter about parties. They're all on board at the very top with the same agendas. The play-acting between parties is for your benefit to lap up. That's what you think is real. And to make sure you vote them out the next time and get somebody else in. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Years ago, I gave talks on Tony Blair. I call him the one-man rah-rah cheerleader for the war against Iraq and all the other wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, etc. And he was standing Parliament, lie his face off and wave his arms around, and uh, literally he wanted Britain on board, and so the taxpayers funded a whole war on the countries that were, had been drafted up by the neocons in the U.S., Back in the 1990s, before, before 9-11 even happened. And he also, as I've said before, even recently again, I put up the links to the, the articles where he, he had got the big oil companies on board, of course, naturally they came to him, and said, well, no, if we go into these countries, we could divvy up the oil fields along with the Americans and so on. And they did all that. It was all planned before they invaded. And these were invasions, let's be honest. Under many guises, for the Americans that they have a... Have a a different tack. And so they told the American people back home it was to bring democracy to the people in Iraq. And you saw those American soldiers cursing and swearing at the people in Iraq and saying, we're, you stupid, you know, efforts, uh, we're, we're bringing you democracy. What's wrong with you? Uh, you, you? Stand back and look at this stuff. It's so farcical that what they give you to believe. And again, I've gone through all the reasons why and all the rest of it, they really all happened. But what I'm saying is, the fallout, too, it was all planned beforehand with the mass migration. And I even gave talks about it. I says, this is going to cause incredible upheaval with millions of people who will then move into Europe, always does, and into Britain, too. This already, if, if, it, if, it, if it was an, an island, uh, literally, so it was on life support when I left it years ago. I think they even said once it hit, went past 48 million people, and it's over 70, apparently, now, and I'm sure it's probably more than that, actually, in real terms, then it was finished. Well, it is finished. But but that was part of Blair's... Remember, Blair's part of the international, socialist international, the borderless world, the global governance idea, 
with our global government, basically. You don't even need a parliament building for it because you use different parts all over the world for it, doing their thing. And Tony Blair wanted all of that too. And he also and he came out with his speechwriter who, who leaked it to the press that Tony Blair wanted to destroy the, the native populations of Britain. There's the mainstream media again. I'll, I'll put up the links again tonight if I can find them. And this was years ago. And here we have the aftermath of it all with, as you know, not just in Britain, but across Europe, with, with millions of people on the move from Africa and everywhere coming in. And even Gaddafi, remember? Gaddafi made speeches about it. He says, we're the only ones holding back the massive migration to come out of Africa and so on. Everybody knew it. There was an agreement. What's interesting, too, remember, if you remember, France was given the honor of having their jets come in and drop the first bombs on Libya. Interesting that in itself, isn't it? And now, now France, the French president, if you want to call him that, he has just said that Britain will have to pay France to try and keep back some of the hordes that are moving into Britain. Mind you, even the people that have migrated into Britain are saying it's Britain's fault in the first place. That's exactly what the British folk were saying for years and years and years before it all happened even by saying that it's a massive welfare state advertising to the world, and that's why they all go there. They've got riots now in Belgium, armed, armed riots against the police, and in France starting, with them coming across and, and they're getting stopped, and, they want to, and they're not, it's not because they want to stay in Belgium, or France, it's because they want to go to Britain. Incredible. But again, Tony Blair was one of the architects behind all of that. At least his bosses were, and we know he went to work for the big, big, the world big bank boys. And uh, they always get what they want. Nothing happens by chance, is what I'm saying in this world. It's all planned long before you catch on. And even when you catch on to one part, you don't realize how old the plan is. You're just catching on to the most recent part of it. It was planned long, long before 9-11 even happened. I'll put some of the links up about that too. So there are many ways to con the public and control the public, and fear is one. For the Western societies, deception and outright lying is the best policy. They always do it, and they give you pseudoscientific uh, terminology as they're putting things to make you think it's for your own good. And they can even make you convinced that actually you asked for it in the first place. Don't you want to be safe? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, sir, you wouldn't mind a camera in your house, would you? Or a camera in your car, or a yada yada yada. It goes on and on and on. Well, you know, that's how it's done. And psychopaths thrive in all of this. Don't forget the psychology and behaviorism and, and, and the behaviorists and all the rest of it in your sign. It was, it was psychopathic characters who started all these things up in the first place solely for control of the people, not to just understand folk to help them. No, the real. F- reasons it was all started in the first place, was to control people on behalf of those who wanted to control them. That's, and it's still the same today. That's what it's for. Control, control, control. You're going into a world now with, as I've, even the talks I gave years ago, where free trade creates service economies, which you import everything, and it goes from different importers to middlemen to stores to you. In other words, everything comes in and is passed around, resold and resold and resold. And the fact it's done that way means there's a whole multi-layered system 
vanished of taxation, which is then put upon the public, who are still anybody still working, to fill all those gaps in lost taxes. If you make a spoon or a knife for your table, you need the raw ore to start with. So there's a company that does that, gets the raw ore. There's another, it's then taxed, moved on to another company that then smelts the stuff down into iron and different metals and then separates the metals, then sells the different selected metals to, to, found, to companies, which then machine it all into shape or remix it again to different alloys and put into shapes, then to other companies then that buy these purified things, and then they make the actual item itself. Each, each stage of the game was a taxation system for government that's gone now. It's put onto the public instead through different techniques and clever little con games like value-added tax. Or in Canada, it sounds even better when they added it into another tax and call it harmonized tax. We all like harmony, don't we? But sometimes this harmony is kind of out of tune. But this is the, the, the te- you know, we're, dis- we're so deceived constantly. Really, it's more like a comedy. A tragic comedy, truly is. And governments never have enough. Never. If they just had a few billions more of you every other month, they might just be able to make a dent in whatever it is they're trying to dent. But this is the racketeering. I call it racketeering. Because it is racketeering in chronology. Conology. But the media, again, does its part. Because they're a business and they sell rubbish too. Little bits of truth here and there, but often rubbish. They won't go into anything in depth for you because then they'd have to start exposing the cons that go on. And their business depends on getting little acceptances from the upper elite to attend this function and that function for their little stories and stuff like that. But the rest of it is just rubbish and trash today. We live in quite the days. Now, I mentioned before, too many years ago, I said in a service economy, it's like a dog in a swimming pool. And the con- I got this from the economists from Britain back in the late 70s, in fact, because they were talking about free trade then. And this whole idea of immersing Britain into a free trade system of the Eurozone. And if they ever did that, they said it would eventually be like a dog in a swimming pool paddling along, and eventually it would run out of, of energy and it would sink. Because it's not producing anything. It really, is, it's just buying, buying, selling, buying, buying, buying. And that's what's happened. Of course. Uh, but they didn't stop. The big boys are not stupid at the top. They don't say, oh, let's do this, then let it happen. They say, oh my, what do we do now? They may present to the public that way, but whatever they do was planned a long time ago. And they'll simply pull out the old dusty scrolls, blow off the dust off them, and put them into action. Because it was all planned that eventually you go into the Bertrand Russell type system that he talked about in the 1940s and 50s. When he worked with the Frankfurt School, the Macy Group, and a whole bunch of organizations and think tanks for bringing in this world globalistic system of governance, as they called it. A, a socialistic system. Now, Bertrand Russell and all the rest of them didn't believe for a, for, for a second that they never have that anyone is equal. That's for the people at the bottom to believe in their slogans. They believe that the right people should rule the world. That's what eugenics is about. That's what they wrote about profusely. Experts, experts. Communism is the same. The experts should rule everybody. 
and live high in the hog while you are all equal at the bottom, equally poor. And nothing has changed. Russell talks about it. Eventually the government will give you a stipend, basically, every couple of weeks to live on, because a wage. Now, isn't that what the Soviet system was about, too? The state ran everything? And that's who paid you. And then you, you'll find that, and, and the elite love this. You know, the richest folk in the planet love this system, you see. And socialism, to, to manage you all, a massive bureaucracy running you in a communistic fashion below a certain level, while the elite are free to reign and, 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 and go across the whole planet in their fast jets and, and all the new innovations they can have at the top. They're not burdened by all the laws they're going to force on you. Quite good, really, isn't it? If you're one of them. And that's where you are. So the government will give you this, this thing. But the thing is, eventually the government will say to you, oh, by the way, oh, um, uh, you, you, you've, you've said things in your social media that uh, aren't very nice. It's against our policies. Could you, we'll have to punish you if you won't, you'll cut it out. And then they cut off your, your money so you can't pay your rent for a week or two. That's what Russell basically mentioned. It would be used for a form of social control and, and make you obedient. And he, was all, he thought it was a wonderful idea. And that's what you're going into right now. I keep telling folk that anything that happens in your lifetime was planned long before you were born, generally. Now, obviously, Bertie Russell had input of the future that was going to be built. And he did, of course. He didn't do it all himself and just imagine stuff. And here you have all the different articles now about how we think about privacy, like with this article here. Today, it might not be the best way to deal with data collection in a smart city. So smart cities are all planned for you to live in and get managed for control. And it's all about that, control purposes. And this one goes on about the L-shaped parcel land in Toronto's eastern waterfront, known as Keyside, isn't much to look at, blah, blah, blah. However, basically, the Keyside may be one of the most sensor-laden neighborhoods in North America. So they're putting sensors everywhere for the Internet of Things in North America, thanks to Alphabet's Sidewalk Labs. Now, Alphabet really is a big corporation. It really has been behind and been above Google and all the rest of them, I think. And now they're, they're pretty well known. To, to some, even a lot of folks still don't know that. This ties in with the Internet of Things that was discussed years ago again, because they knew exactly where they were going with it all, and you have no say in the matter. It's all done to you, right? They're working on a plan to redevelop the area from the ground up into a test bed for smart city technology. They're doing it across different parts of the U.S. as well, in different cities as well. And you'll be, your money funds everything. It always funds your chains. Your own tax money funds your chains in the system. And it says, too, that the Canadian government is soliciting pitches for more smart cities across the country. And it's promised up to $88 million Dollars to communities competing, competing, love that, in its Smart Cities Challenge prize. Oh, here you go with the little prize stuff. Oh, as I, you know, again, people are so predictable. As I've said, it's not hard to manage millions of people. As I say, it's terror, or it's cajoling, uh, or it's saying, oh, we can save you from the terror if you just give up your rights and, free and distrust us and pay for all, and so on and so on and so on. It's all about control. And getting into the system too, and, and uh, into the, the dog paddling in the pool, which I actually said that was my idea, that whole idea of it. I mean, I'd read about it too, and they were talking about other things back in the 70s, as I've mentioned, about uh, how you could, what was, what was akin to 
But that, that's the image I had at the time was a dog in a pool, ready to drown. That's where we are. And they know that with free trade. We're producing nothing. And you used to have this balance of trade nonsense. Well, if, you, if you're if you bringing, say, 10 billion from them, then you should sell 10 billion to them. Well, what a joke that is today. Yeah. And we know this. It was never intended to be that way. But getting back to what I'm saying here, the smart cities is one thing too, the Bertrand Russell stuff. And then the Finnish members of parliament in Finland backs citizens' income plan for Scotland, because Scotland's a test bed for the ultimate socialist system in so many ways. But then P from Finland says where a basic citizens' income has been introduced, has offered to help the SNP ministers introduce a radical policy in Scotland, which he claims will make more work, not less attractive. So let's pay folk who are unemployed and, and won't have to work, make it more attractive. Uh, and again, this is your double-think nonsense. Uh, well, you know, when you hear something that's logical, then you're right, it is illogical. Don't, don't fall for this up is down, down is up stuff. Don't, don't do, it follows in the same thing with many other things you're told to believe today. Like people who, who decide they're, they're aliens from space or something, or in, anything along that road. Anyway, it says, uh, this has boosted the incomes of those who had previously faced a choice between surviving on benefits, such as unemployment, and working in low-paid jobs. So now you just pay them regardless. And the Finnish scheme says each adult receives around 560 euros a month. Just not bad. Just less than 20% of the average wage. And it does not prevent them also, also working, but their additional incomes are taxed. The folk, the folk can't figure these things out. It's, it's so simple, really, that they can't figure it out. And then you go into this one here. What is a basic income system? The basic income system is a radical redesign of tax and welfare, completely redrawing the relationship between the state and the citizen. Well, it's been redrawn many times. It's always the same. You know, you're the peasant and they're the elite. So under such a system, every individual would be given a cash payment at regular intervals without any requirement to work or demonstrate a willingness to work. You've already got that in, in, in welfare in, in some countries, and intergenerational in some countries. Several different figures have been suggested, mostly in the rough area of £100 a week for adults. As the name suggests, it would be universal, paid out to every citizen, regardless of their wealth, employment, or personal status. It would be enough to cover the basics of life. It would serve as a replacement for existing benefits payments, such as job seekers' allowance. There are also Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufacturers, and Commerce, a charity which has undertaken extensive studies about basic income, and you have to delve into that to find out what's really behind it when you see these things that suddenly appear. Call it a basic platform on which people can build their lives, where they want to learn, care, or set up a business. And then they go back, well, it's an old idea dating back to as far as 1516. You know, yeah. And on they go, no, no. But anyway, if a con is a con is a con, however it's dressed up. Because eventually, and it says here, there are no rules attached, and it'll be initially, you see. Then eventually they say, well, we'll have to attach rules now. And with free trade, and, and since they're putting your work across the whole planet from your own countries, uh, and, and even move your factories to other countries, like China, then obviously there's going to be a lot of unemployment. Uh, but they've got that worked out too. Don't worry about it. What to do with you? Because they make you freer. And we can test basic income effect on poverty amid lost jobs because of all the free trade, which they're pushing even further now. 
more and more free trade. We're paying for other countries to have, to have work, nothing here. We even paid for the corporations to move. We use our tax money under the free trade deal. They use our tax money to move their factories abroad. Isn't that wonderful? But they're going to give you little stipends now that you're unemployed. And it's a social experiment again. And they give you little, they always give you these wee stories, you know, about, oh, here's a person here who's getting it already in this test. It says, and they give you a story. Former security guard Tim Button concerns how a sudden increase in his income from an unusual social experiment has changed his life in Canada. Isn't it? Oh, so you're going to get a little drama story here, a wonderful one. He's sipping coffee at Tim Horton's donut shop. And he says he's unable to work because of a fall from a roof and the financial boost from Ontario Province's new basic income program enabled him to make plans to visit distant family for Christmas for the first time in years. They can make a movie at CBC here and it's got all the thing. So it's made a huge difference, you see. But Ontario intends to provide a basic income to 4,000 people initially, as you see, in three different communities as part of the experiment that seeks to evaluate whether providing more money to people on public assistance or low incomes will make a significant material difference in their lives. Do you believe that's the reason for it? That they don't know it's got, it, would extra money help anybody out there? Huh? How about you? No, oh, I have to think about it. Come on, come on. Think, think, folks. Anyway, it's been studied by social scientists, economists, and policymakers in Canada and around the world. All you little tests, they should actually pay you for being a test animal, shouldn't they? Why don't you ask for it? Demand your rights. There you go. But don't worry, as you're losing less and less work, and it's all been worked out long before they gave you free trade and put your own work across the world to other people. Incomes. Soma, as I've said before. Why, it's still a big deal if your teen smokes pot. As much buzzed about peace the New Yorker this week, President Obama, this is an old one, 2014, suggests making pot legal in large parts to correct the vast inequalities or inequities that minorities face in terms of cannabis-related arrest and imprisonment. See, it's all because to help people, you understand, that the control freaks above, who've always controlled you and always will at this rate, they want to help you. That's why they're giving it to you. I'm not, see, I'm not in the pro or, or, or against thing. I'm just telling you the facts here. Think about it. If anybody offers you anything, think about it. Why? Ask why. That's what I'm trying to say here. That's what I'm getting across. And it's no, it's no coincidence, I've said last week, uh, that they're, they're drawing all the, the, the different uh, forms of painkiller out of the market, the same thing they're putting this across, this cannabis stuff. And big corporations already, in our countries too, have, have been lobbying our government in Canada to import the stuff into Canada, along with the ones in Canada, which won't last long. Small ones won't last long. Big ones will all be one big corporation selling the Yersoma. Planned long before the, but the little people at the bottom initially never. Oh, good! I'm getting freedom. I can get stoned. Well, and that's all you see. Big, big business is behind all of this. Anyway, that was that one article. Then an article: Casual marijuana used is linked to brain abnormalities. Think about that too. Just think about it. Is what I'm telling you. Don't forget, youngsters. Whenever something they're born in a system where something's allowed. They don't question it. They think, because they're still at the stage where if adults have passed this and allow it, it must be okay. See, that's how it is. That's how it's done. And don't think, come on, for a second, that they're not going to get their hands on this stuff. It's been, if it's going to be grown in massive farms all over the place and stuff, it's going to be available. It already is available. It's going to be more so available everywhere. And it's going to be used 
for everything. Every time there's a little bad spot in folks' lives, uh, it'll be dope time. And when you get less and less work and you've got a chance you get depressed, well, it's dope time. Then you won't care so much. And that's what they're putting out for now. That's why this is a big move behind all of this. And really, so don't, as I've said before, I, I don't care if you want to take it or not. What I'm saying is think about those who do want you to take it. And why now? Hmm? They said it's a study was a calibration between the Northwestern Medicine and, and Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard Medical School in Chicago, where they did this, this particular test and study, one of the many studies done on the human brain itself. It shows casualties of marrow is related to a major brain, brain changes in the young. A degree of brain abnormalities in these regions is directly related to the number of joints a person smoked per week. And the more joints a person smoked, the more abnormally shaped volume and density of the brain regions affected. In its sense, there's a strong chance the idea that casual marijuana use isn't associated with bad consequences. It says, this is ahead of the study, but it says, um, but it does, some of these people use, only use marijuana to get high once or twice a week when they're young. It says, but the, court, the data shows that it's not the case at all, that there's no, there's no, no problem about it. They examined the nucleus uh, acumens and the amygdala, parts of the brain, for emotion and motivation associated with addiction. In the brains of casual marijuana users and non-users, researchers analyzed three measures, volume, shape, and density of gray matter, where most cells were located in the brain tissue to obtain a comprehensive view of how each region was affected. But these regions in recreational pot users were abnormally altered for at least two of these structural measures. The degree of these alterations was directly related on how much marijuana the subjects used. The notice the nucleus accumbens was abnormally large, and its alteration in size, shape, density were directly related to how many joints they smoked. So there's many, many, many studies on it too. There's no drug out there, unfortunately, that doesn't have massive side effects. Even your aspirin will burn eventually through your stomach. Take enough of them. And this one too, it says, cannabis across Europe, a ticket to psychosis. It's strange how it's all happening across the world at the same time. You think it's all just happenstance, eh? don't you? You all do that. You always do. <laughs> anyway, the risk of individuals having adverse effect from drug use, alcohol, tobacco, generally depends on the frequency of use, blah, blah, blah. And it says the risk of individuals having psychotic disorders showed a roughly three times increase in users of skunk-like high-potency cannabis over five times in daily users of high potency of cannabis compared with those who never use cannabis. Then they showed the effects of it. But it also can, can create psychosis too. They're finding out too in the really strong stuff. Remember a lot of this stuff has been weaponized even by the military at one point. <laughs> you can trust it now, eh? So everything's done for, for reasons which you never never really figure and, and clue in on. And that's how you're managed. Different from, again, the control thing of just being hyper-alert, like the chief in the outhouse, and those who want to take over his position so they can sit in the outhouse you know, with their feathers on their heads. But that, that's really how it is. Uh, with the Western society, we use science to con the public, just like good snake oil salesmen. As I've said before, what's the difference between this particular bottle of multiminerals and vitamins and this one here? That's called DXYZ, XYV, VVV. Well, the difference is 80 bucks in good marketing. That's how it's done. But if you throw in a lot of uh, uh, medical terms, 
the people think, wow, and they come up and they sit back, oh my God, they know what they're talking about, even though you haven't got a clue what, what really they're talking about. You presume that they do, and, and you're, you're a true believer before you know it. It's unfortunate that folk don't stop and, and question things more often. I mean, it should be a daily occurrence on different things to question. Look at all the things that's offered to you every day. Or you go to any store. Oh, do you have your ear mails card, sir? No, I don't know. You don't have any ear mails card? What's wrong with you? you know, if you bought, you know, ten of these toilet rolls here, you, you could have a free blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't want the free blah, blah, blah. I'd rather just took the price of that blah, 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 that's free, off of, of the ten toilet rolls I'm buying. But, I mean, this is the, the con they give you. Or, or do you want two for the price of one? You, if, you, if you buy two of these ice creams, you get it for the price of one. Oh, no, I just want one, so give me a half price. Yeah. Folk don't question anything. They really don't. They're little tr- simple tricks that, you're, that flood you every day. And they even have you marked down as to what you'll buy and what you'll fall for. They, they know all this stuff. Isn't that sad? There's an article about a guy in his car. He bought a car. And part of the deal, he didn't know, he just signed it And it's, it's going to monitor everywhere you go and what you do and how you drive yeah, yeah. And it tells them what shops you visit and, what you, you know, and even what music you play all, all that stuff, all that data for free They should be paying you Everything's like that now today, isn't it? A lot of folk don't mind And now they're going to even put cameras in your bedroom And folk will snap them up And you know what's going to happen with that to help you do little video recordings and stuff, or video talks across to other people. Well, you know what's going to happen with it. You have live sex everywhere. That'll be the next the next thing that takes over from the, the naked selfies and stuff. Of course it is. And it's planned that way. As you're taken down thinking you've got more freedoms. And if you get depressed about it, you can go and smoke some dope, which will depress you all the more down the road, because that also has that effect, unfortunately. But then, as I say, you go back to the mass migration and so on. Planned. And you needed a war to make it all happen, displace them and bring them across and so on. Of course it did. Wouldn't you run out of a place if if you knew darn well for the next 10 years or 50 they're going to bomb you? Of course you'd run. All planned that way. And then you bring them in and you get a massive clash of of cultures. And then you have gang warfare because all kinds come in too. And uh, that's what you get. It was planned that way. Thank you Tony Blair and other people too. These folks should be brought up again for, for crimes against humanity and, and, and bringing on the wars, taking countries to wars and then planning the outcome to and the fallout from the countries they're supposed to be serving. How Sweden became an example of how not to handle immigration. They talk about a British boy who visited Sweden and he was killed by a hand grenade in Gothenburg. And says it shattered a few illusions last week. Last week's murder of eight-year-old Yusuf Warsami was a pattern that Swedes have come to slowly recognize over the years. He was from Birmingham, visiting relatives, was caught up in what Swedish police believes is a gang war within the Somali community. And that's what people even back in the 60s and 70s said in their own cultures, that there's all these gang wars. Wherever they go, they'll continue. And they count on it. I really do believe they count on it. I really do. The countries, the, the, the very t- our, our, our managers count on all this to happen. Last year, a four-year-old girl was killed by a car bomb outside Gothenburg. Another apparent victim of gang violence. And it goes on about how Sweden regarded itself as a humanitarian superpower. It was ultra-socialist, of course. And it always kept itself pretty well neutral out of wars. 
And it says, uh, in this article here, it says over the past 15 years, some 650,000 asylum seekers made their way to Sweden. 163,000 arrived last year, 32,000 were granted asylum, and so on and so on. But now you've got gang warfare, it says. It's been part of the, the country for years now. It says you've got young pickpockets, gangs of them, and thieves playing games of cat and mouse with the police who feel powerless, and so on and so on and so on. And then you get this one here. Swedish police station is rocked by hand grenade attack with multiple vehicles damaged. And two people are believed to have been involved in a bomb attack in Malmo. I don't know if they're caught or not, but it wouldn't matter. There's plenty more coming in. And they're also bringing in all the, all the, uh, the weaponry too. Then Sweden to hold grenade amnesty following dozens of bomb attacks carried out by criminal gangs in the last year alone. So here, here you know a country's finished when they start having amnesties. Like, what would be nice to them, tell them, please hand in your weapons and your hand grenades and all that stuff and your bombs. Who knows? What I wonder if they'll give them a little free sums. This is what they'll, they'll do. It's like, hand in your old binary car and see what happens. They'll give you a watermelon or something. God knows what they'll do here. It says, hand grenade detonations in Sweden were up from 10 in 2015 to 27 in 2016 and more since then, of course. Quite some, eh? Then there's a list of green attacks in Sweden too. I'll put that up as well. So you're taught to think this, all these things are all separate and unrelated. From the Tony Blair idea and, and the Socialist International that wanted this across the world, the borderless country, how would you get folk to move? Well, you've got to get wars going. And you can profit off it too if you're a guy like Tony Blair. And all the big oil companies that, that came to him and they sat and divvied up, according to the newspapers at the time, or, or a few years later, they admitted it. They all went to them, all the big oil companies, and they put out the map and says, here's all the, here's all the different oil fields over here, and we could divvy them up. We read them at the, at the time. Go into cutting3minutes.com archives and you'll see it. Because it's all planned. You don't just do one thing and get one thing out of it, just rich. You make sure you get lots of plans out of the same little event. If wars can be called little, that is. Then you have fears of our Belgium becoming a backdoor to Britain amongst tighter security at Calais as armed migrants battle the police to get to Britain. They're battling the police who are trying to stop them. As I, say, I said already, uh, now the French are going to do what, um, after bombing Libya and destroying it, they kept lots out of Britain, of Britain and the rest of Europe, by the way. That's what it was called. It was called the wall that kept them out. It was that's for years and years. Everybody knew it and every country counted on it. And that was a the deal they had with Gaddafi. So they killed him. Uh, down came and smashed his country. For other reasons too, not just one. Other countries are happy for that. And in come the masses then from, from that were held back before for years and years and years. And now France is going to take it over. The guys who bombed Libya are going to start charging Britain for trying to hold back some in France. They're coming out from Belgium where they're having pitched battles. And they all want to go to Britain because it's got the best welfare system for them. Not bad, eh? Not bad. Good planning. You've got to admit it's good planning. Come on. Another one, too, is to do with the massive, massive... <laughs> you have no idea how massive it is. Bankruptcy of one of the massive corporations, very much like the corporation Halliburton in a sense, that's called Carlin. Carlin, one of the social, the service industries, the takeover of what governments are supposed to do. 
And during the public-private massive spree of giving all the public assets away to these private corporations, to manage cheaper, remember, they've bankrupted the system. And Carlin, who they run so many, actually a lot of country services now, what a ridiculous thing to give private businesses with big CEOs going through the same business schools as, as the business school bankers, who then give themselves billions in bonuses now, give them this to make it cheaper? Well, it's utterly bankrupt now. And hospitals across the UK and other countries are hit by it because they run it. They run road systems and everything else too in other countries. They run so many things that your governments are supposed to do. Under the private, public-private partnership deal, they've been plundering and plundering and doing their own investments into a massive world empire. One of many corporations doing this, mind you. And most folk don't even know they're run by private businesses anymore, or that there are hospitals in the cross the UK and other ones that are run by these private corporations. Just like a private business, for instance, a different one, we all know who it is, military industrial boys, run Britain's missile defence industry. They're in charge of it all. A private company. Why bother with governments anymore? Do you see what's supposed to go to? Your governments were meant to become obsolete down the road. But here they are again, and all that money, taxpayers' money, that goes into all these businesses for all these supposed services and infrastructure that's supposed to be state-run and isn't anymore. It's going to money heaven. Money heaven, you know. Just like that. In the blink of an eye, boom. Because they all saw it coming, eh? And Theresa May in Britain even got a, a kickback from one of the companies, the, the, uh, uh, the futures company, or what you call it, one of these asset companies, that, that, that bets on companies winning or failing. And she got a £50,000 donation to the, the Conservative Party, apparently, because she bet on it failing. They're all in it together, aren't they? Ooh. But anyway, I've got a stack of stuff there. And these guys at the top... To make things cheaper, to make things cheaper, privatise and everything. These big guys, the fat cats at Carlin in Britain, it's Carillion actually, they were getting up to £55,000 per month while the company was hurtling towards collapse. With 20,000 jobs at risk, a lot more than 20,000, there's a lot of subsidiaries. The whole idea is to take massive, and he put through subsidiary after subsidiary after subsidiary, just like Halliburton and others too, same thing. And they've won in Canada too. And I think, I think the one in Britain owned 60% of the one in Canada from a takeover at one point. So God knows what's going to happen in here. The follow is going to go on and on and on. And they're already bankrupt in, in Britain and elsewhere. The pension scheme is all in the balance and going down the tubes too. Billions of pounds, no doubt. And I'll give you the, the board members and different ones too that were getting the fat cat stuff. You know, fun, 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 invest, invest. And fun, 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 the sky's the limit. There's no end of the money that's going to pour in in these great public-private enterprises. Planned that way. It was foreseen long before they privatised all the infrastructure. That's what governments had to do. But again, that's when you were nations, remember. Now you're international. You're global. Where even foreign companies can, can take over the, the infrastructure in your country. They've done it all over the place. I remember years ago talking about the politicians in Britain that brought forth the bill to privatise their water supply. 
And once it was passed, they all left immediately because they'd formed a little company, quietly, and put out in the open openly, that they now owned the, the, the property of the water rights of the whole of the UK. Quite clever, eh? <laughs> but we don't call it corruption. For some, I don't know why we don't call it corruption. But it is, of course it is. I could have gone for hours and hours and hours just with Carolyn yourself, but I'll put up a bunch of links for you. Because I'll come in our countries now. This company itself has places all over the world, countries all over the world, it's managing basically its infrastructure. And it's going down the tubes. And it's all related, regardless of the country that happens to be in, with the same scams. And that's also why your systems at the bottom fall apart. They tend to get down to subsidiaries, through subsidiaries, through subsidiaries, to the cheapest at the bottom. You end up with a, a, a dysfunctional society at the bottom with services going down the tubes. Because it's all profit from all those who put it, pass it off to the next subsidiary. Sometimes you go through to 10 or 15 different subsidiaries before it gets to the bottom when it actually does any work at all. And that's how the world is run, folks. Start questioning things. But whenever government says we're here to help you, or we're going to make you freer by giving you a, this, this stay-at-home income with no strings attached initially. But once you're into it, once it's all working, then comes the, oh, you were watching. You have noticed you said this on, on, on some, some social networking system. Uh, would you like to retract it or would we have to punish you by withdrawing your little stipend every month? That's what Bertrand Russell said it years and years and years and years ago, before I was born. What a coincidence, eh? And then, of course, we had a Brave New World in Soma. In a world without work for most folk, now that they've given all your work abroad to other, other countries where they get cheaper labor, even all these big companies were getting big handouts for most of their existence, sometimes over 100 years from your governments, of your tax money. Yep, they're giving out to other, other places across the world to get cheaper, cheaper labor. That's why, not to help anybody over there. And now you're unemployed, you only get your stipend to stay at home with all the rules that come along with it. And all the monitoring too, extra monitoring that you'll allow government to... Now that you're on this, would you mind if you put more cameras in your houses and stuff and fill in these surveys? We're so easily managed by scientists and people who smile to us in suits and ties and sound concerned about our welfare. That's the best way to manage millions of people. Rather than your little tribe in New Guinea, where you can't even... Go in and read the paper now, house in peace. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>